Chapter 17 of a short account of the history of mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj. A short account of the history of mathematics by W. W. Rouse Ball. Chapter 17. Leibniz and the Mathematicians of the First Half of the Eighteenth Century. Part 1. I have briefly traced in the last chapter the nature and extent of Newton's contributions to science. Modern analysis is, however, derived directly from the works of Leibniz and the elder Bernoullis and it is immaterial to us whether the fundamental ideas of it were obtained by them from Newton or discovered independently. The English mathematicians of the years considered in this chapter continue to use the language and notation of Newton. They are thus somewhat distinct from their continental contemporaries, and I have therefore grouped them together in a section by themselves. Leibniz and the Bernoullis. Leibniz. Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz was born at Leipzig on June twenty first, 1646, and died at Hanover on November fourteenth, 1716. His father died before he was six, and the teaching at the school to which he was then sent was inefficient, but his industry triumphed over all difficulties. By the time he was twelve he had taught himself to read Latin easily, and had begun Greek and before he was twenty he had mastered the ordinary textbooks on mathematics, philosophy, theology, and law. Refused the degree of Doctor of Laws at Leipzig by those who were jealous of his youth and learning, he moved to Nuremberg. An essay which he there wrote on the study of law was dedicated to the Elector of Mainz and led to his appointment by the Elector on a commission for the revision of some statutes, from which he was subsequently promoted to the diplomatic service. In the latter capacity he supported unsuccessfully the claims of the German candidate for the crown of Poland. The violent seizure of various small places in Alsace in 1670 excited universal alarm in Germany as to the designs of Louis the Fourteenth, and Leibniz drew up a scheme by which it was proposed to offer German cooperation if France liked to take Egypt and use the possession of that country as a basis for attack against Holland and Asia, on the condition that Germany was to be left undisturbed by France. This bears a curious resemblance to the similar plan by which Napoleon I proposed to attack England. In 1672, Leibniz went to Paris on the invitation of the French government to explain the details of the scheme, but nothing came of it. At Paris he met Huygens, who was then residing there, and their conversation led him to study geometry, which he described as opening a new world to him though he had, as a matter of fact, previously written some tracts on various minor points in mathematics, the most important of them being a paper on combinations written in 1668, and a description of a new calculating machine. 
in january sixteen seventy three he was sent on a political mission to london where he stopped some months and made the acquaintance of oldenburg collins and others it was at this time that he communicated the memoir to the royal society in which he was found to have been forestalled by mouton in sixteen seventy three the elector of mainz died and in the following year leibnitz entered the service of the brunswick family in sixteen seventy six he again visited london and then moved to hanover where till his death he occupied the well-paid post of librarian in the duckle library his pen was thenceforth employed in all the political matters which affected the hanoverian family and his services were recognized by honours and distinctions of various kinds his memoranda on the various political historical and theological questions which concerned the dynasty during the forty years from sixteen seventy three to seventeen thirteen form a valuable contribution to the history of that time his appointment in the Hanoverian service gave him an increased leisure for his favorite pursuits. Leibniz used to assert that as the first fruit of his increased leisure he invented the differential and integral calculus in 1674, but the earliest traces of the use of it in his extant notebooks do not occur till 1675, and it was not till 1677 that we find it developed into a consistent system he was not published until sixteen eighty four nearly all his mathematical papers were produced within the ten years from sixteen eighty two to sixteen ninety two most of them in a journal called the acta eruditorum which he and otto menck had founded in sixteen eighty two and which had a wide circulation on the continent Leibniz occupies at least as large a place in the history of philosophy as he does in the history of mathematics. Most of his philosophical writings were composed in the last twenty or twenty-five years of his life, and the point as to whether his views were original or whether they were appropriated from Spinoza, whom he visited in 1676, is still in question among philosophers, though the evidence seems to point to the originality of Leibniz as to leibnitz's system of philosophy it will be enough to say that he regarded the ultimate elements of the universe as individual percipient beings whom he called monads according to him the monads are centres of force and substance is force while space matter and motion are merely phenomenal finally the existence of god is inferred from the existing harmony among the monads his services to literature were almost as considerable as those to philosophy. In particular, I may single out his overthrow of the then prevalent belief that Hebrew was the primeval language of the entire human race. In 1700, the Academy of Berlin was created on his advice, and he drew up the first body of statutes for it. On the accession in 1714 of his master George I to the throne of England, Leibniz was practically thrown aside as a useless tool. He was forbidden to come to England, and the last two years of his life were spent in neglect and dishonor. He died at Hanover in 1716. He was over-fond of money and personal distinctions, was unscrupulous, as might be expected of a professional diplomat of that time, but possessed singularly attractive manners, 
and all who once came under the charm of his personal presence remained sincerely attached to him his mathematical reputation was largely augmented by the eminent position that he occupied in diplomacy philosophy and literature and the power thence derived was considerably increased by his influence in the management of the acta eruditorum which i believe was the only private scientific journal of the time the last years of his life from seventeen o nine to seventeen sixteen were embittered by the long controversy with john kyle newton and others as to whether he had discovered the differential calculus independently of newton's previous investigations or whether he had derived the fundamental idea from newton and merely invented another notation for it the controversy occupies a place in the scientific history of the early years of the eighteenth century quite disproportionate to its true importance but it so materially affected the history of mathematics in western europe that i feel obliged to give the leading facts though i am reluctant to take up so much space with questions of a personal character the case in favor of the independent invention by Leibniz is stated in Gerhardt's Leibnizmus Mathematische Schriften in Biot and Leifort's edition of the Commercium Epistocolum, Paris, 1856. The arguments on the other side are given in H. Sloman's Leibnizens Anspruch auf die Erfindung der Differenzierrechnung, Leipzig, 1857 of which an english translation with the editions by dr sloman was published at cambridge in eighteen sixty the history of the invention of the calculus is given in an article of it in the ninth edition of the encyclopedia britannica and in p manson's esquisse de l'histoire de calcula infinitesimale gand eighteen eighty seven end of footnote the ideas of the infinitesimal calculus can be expressed either in the notation of fluxions or in that of differentials. The former was used by Newton in 1666 and communicated in manuscript to his friends and pupils from 1669 onwards, but no distinct account of it was printed until 1693. The earliest use of the latter in the notebooks of Leibniz is dated 1675 and was employed in the letters sent to Newton in 1677, and an account of it was printed in the memoir of 1684 described below. There is no question that the differential notation is due to Leibniz, and that the sole question is as to whether the general idea of the calculus was taken from Newton or discovered independently. The case in favor of the independent invention by Leibniz rests on the ground that he published a description of his method some years before Newton printed anything on fluxions, that he always alluded to the discovery as being his own invention, and that for many years this statement was unchallenged. Well, of course, there must be a strong presumption that he acted in good faith. To rebut this case, it is necessary to shew that one, he saw some of Newton's papers on the subject in or before 1675 or at least 1677, and two, that he thence derived the fundamental ideas of the calculus. The fact that his claim was unchallenged for some years, in my opinion, in the particular circumstances of the case is immaterial. 
that leibniz saw some of newton's manuscripts was always intrinsically probable but when in eighteen forty nine c j gerhardt examined leibniz's papers he found among them a manuscript copy the existence of which had been previously unsuspected in leibniz's handwriting of extracts from newton's di analisi periquisiones numero timenorum infinitas which was printed in the de quadratura curverum in seventeen o four together with notes on their expression in the differential notation the question of the date at which these extracts were made is therefore all-important it is known that a copy of newton's manuscript had been sent to chernhausen in may sixteen seventy five and that in that year he and leibniz were engaged together in a piece of work it is not impossible that these extracts were made then it is also possible that they may have been made in sixteen seventy six for leibniz discussed the question of analysis by infinite series with collins and oldenburg in that year and it is a priori probable that they would have then shewn him the manuscript of newton on that subject a copy of which was possessed by one or both of them on the other hand it may have been supposed that leibniz made the extracts from the printed copy in or after seventeen o four leibniz shortly before his death admitted in a letter to conti that that in sixteen seventy six collins had shown him some newtonian papers but implied that they were of little or no value presumably he referred to newton's letters of june thirteenth and october twenty fourth sixteen seventy six and to the letter of december tenth sixteen seventy two on the method of tangents extracts from which accompanied the letter of june thirteenth but it was curious that on the receipt of these letters leibniz should have made no further inquiries unless he was already aware from other sources of the method followed by newton whether leibniz made no use of the manuscript from which he had copied extracts or whether he had previously invented the calculus are questions on which at this distance of time no direct evidence is available it is however worth noting that the unpublished portsmouth papers shew that when in seventeen eleven newton went carefully into the whole dispute he picked out this manuscript as the one which had probably somehow fallen into the hands of leibniz at that time there was no direct evidence that leibniz had seen this manuscript before it was printed in seventeen o four and accordingly newton's conjecture was not published but gerhardt's discovery of the copy made by leibniz tends to confirm the accuracy of newton's judgment in the matter it is said by some that to a man of leibniz's ability the manuscript especially if supplemented by the letter of december tenth sixteen seventy two would supply sufficient hints to give him a clue to the methods of the calculus though as fluxional notation is not employed in it anyone who used it would have to invent a notation but this is denied by others there was at first no reason to suspect the good faith of leibniz and it was not until the appearance in seventeen o four of an anonymous review of newton's tract on quadrature in which it was implied that newton had borrowed the idea of the fluxional calculus from leibniz that any responsible mathematician questioned the statement that leibniz had invented the calculus independently of newton
it is universally admitted that there was no justification or authority for the statements made in this review which was rightly attributed to leibniz but the subsequent discussion led to a critical examination of the whole question and doubt was expressed as to whether leibniz had not derived the fundamental idea from newton the case against leibniz as it appeared to newton's friends was summed up in the commercium epistolicolum issued in seventeen twelve the evidence there collected may be inconclusive but at any rate detailed references are given for all facts mentioned no such summary with facts dates and references of the case for leibniz was issued by his friends but john bernoulli attempted to indirectly weaken the evidence by attacking the personal character of newton this was in a letter dated june seventh seventeen thirteen the charges were false and when pressed for an explanation of them bernoulli most sol solemnly denied having written the letter in accepting the denial newton added in a private letter to him the following remarks which are interesting as giving newton's account of why he was last induced to take any part in the controversy i have never said he grasped at the fame among foreign nations but i am very desirous to preserve my character for honesty for which the author of that epistle as if by the authority of a great judge has endeavoured to wrest from me now that i am old i have little pleasure in mathematical studies and i have never tried to propagate my opinions over the world but i have rather taken care not to involve myself in disputes on account of them leibniz's defence or explanation of his silence is given in the following letter dated april nineteenth seventeen sixteen from him to conti pour répondre de point à point à l'ouvrage publié contre moi il falloit un autre ouvrage aussi grand pour le moins celui-là il falloit entrer dans un grand détail des quantités de ministres passés il y a trente et quarante ans dont je ne me souviens guère il me falloit chercher mes vieilles lettres dont plusieurs se sont perdues outre que les plus souvent je n'ai point gardé les minutes des miennes et les autres sont à salver dans une grande tasse de papier que je ne peux voir débrouiller qu'avec du temps et de la patience mais je n'en vois guère le loisir étant chargé présentement d'occupation d'une toute autre nature the death of leibniz in seventeen sixteen only put a temporary stop to the controversy which was bitterly debated for many years later the question is one of great difficulty the evidence is conflicting and circumstantial and every one must form for themselves the opinion which seems most probable i think the majority of modern writers would accept the view that probably leibniz's invention of the calculus was independent of that of newton and every one will hope that they are right for myself i cannot however but think it probable that leibniz read newton's manuscript de analysi before sixteen seventy seven and was materially assisted by it his unacknowledged possession of a copy of part of one of newton's manuscripts may be explicable but the admitted fact that on more than one occasion he deliberately altered or added to important documents before publishing them seems to me to make his own testimony of little value 
in mitigation of his conduct i can only say that it must be recollected that what he is alleged to have received was rather a series of hints than an account of the calculus and it seems to me that the facts that he did not publish his results of sixteen seventy seven until sixteen eighty four and that the notation and subsequent development of it were all of his own invention may have led him thirty years later to minimize any assistance which he obtained originally and finally consider that it was immaterial if we must confine ourselves to one system of notation then there can be no doubt that that which was invented by leibniz is better fitted for most of the purposes to which the infinitesimal calculus is applied than that of fluxions and for some as such as the calculus of variations it is indeed almost essential it should be remembered however that at the beginning of the eighteenth century the methods of the infinitesimal calculus had not been systematized and either notation was equally good the development of that calculus was the main work of the mathematician of the first half of the eighteenth century the differential form was adopted by continental mathematicians the application of it by euler lagrange and laplace to the principles of mechanics laid down in the principia was the great achievement of the last half of that century and finally demonstrated the superiority of the differential to the fluxional calculus the translation of the principia into the language of modern analysis and the filling in of the details of the newtonian theory by the aid of that analysis were effected by laplace the controversy with leibniz was regarded in england as an attempt by foreigners to defraud newton of the credit of his invention and the question was complicated on both sides by national jealousies it was therefore natural though it was unfortunate that in england the geometrical and fluxional methods as used by newton were alone studied and employed for more than a century the english school was thus out of touch with continental mathematicians the consequence was that in spite of the brilliant band of scholars formed by newton the improvements in the methods of analysis gradually effected on the continent were almost unknown in britain it was not until eighteen twenty that the value of analytical methods was fully recognized in england and that newton's countrymen again took any large share in the development of mathematics leaving now this long controversy i come to the discussion of the mathematical papers produced by leibniz all the more important of which were published in the acta eruditorum they are mainly concerned with the applications of the infinitesimal calculus and with various questions on mechanics the only papers of first-rate importance which he produced are those on the differential calculus the earliest of these was one published in the acta eruditorum for october sixteen eighty four in which he enunciated a general method for finding maxima and minima and for drawing tangents to curves one inverse problem namely to find the curve whose subtangent is constant was also discussed the notation is the same as that with which we are familiar and the differential coefficients of x to the power n and of products and quotients are determined in sixteen eighty six he wrote a paper on the principles of the new calculus in both of these papers the principle of continuity is explicitly assumed 
while his treatment of the subject is based on the use of infinitesimals and not on that of the limiting value of ratios in answer to some objections which were raised in sixteen ninety four by bernard newentheit who asserted that dy by dx stood for an unmeaning quantity like zero over zero leibniz explained in the same way as barrow had previously done that the value of dy by dx in geometry could be expressed as the ratio of two finite quantities i think leibniz's statement of the objects and methods of the infinitesimal calculus as contained in these papers which are the three most important memoirs on it that he had produced is somewhat obscure and his attempt to place the subject on a metaphysical basis did not tend to clearness but the notation he introduced is superior to that of newton and the fact that all the results of modern mathematics are expressed in the language invented by leibniz has proved to be the best monument of his work in sixteen eighty six and sixteen ninety two he wrote papers on osculating curves these however contained some bad blunders as for example the assertion that an osculating circle will necessarily cut a curve in four consecutive points this error was pointed out by john bernoulli but in his article of sixteen ninety two leibniz defended his original assertion and insisted that a circle could never cross a curve it touched it in sixteen ninety two leibniz wrote a memoir in which he laid the foundation of the theory of envelopes this was further developed in another paper in sixteen ninety four in which he introduced for the first time the terms coordinates and axes of coordinates leibniz also published a good many papers on mechanical subjects but some of them contain mistakes which shew that he did not understand the principles of the subject thus in sixteen eighty five he wrote a memoir to find the pressure exerted by a sphere of weight w placed between two inclined planes of complementary inclinations placed so that the lines of the greatest slope are perpendicular to the line of the intersection of the planes he asserted that the pressure on each plane must consist of two components unum quo decliviter descendra tensit alterum quo planum declive premit he further said that for metaphysical reasons that the sum of the two pressures must be equal to w hence if r and r prime be the required pressures and alpha and one-half prime minus alpha the inclination of the planes he finds that r minus one-half w multiplied by the quantity one minus sine alpha plus cos alpha and r prime equals one half w multiplied by one minus cos alpha plus sine alpha the true values are r equals w cos alpha and r prime equals w sine alpha nevertheless some of his papers on mechanics are valuable of these the most important were two in sixteen eighty nine and sixteen ninety four in which he solved the problem of finding an isochronous curve one in sixteen ninety seven on the curve of quickest descent this was the problem of sent as a challenge to newton and two in sixteen ninety one and sixteen ninety two in which he stated the intrinsic equation of the curve assumed by a flexible rope suspended from two points i e the catenary but gave no proof this last problem had been originally proposed by galileo 
in sixteen eighty nine that is two years after the principia has been published he wrote on the movements of the planets which he stated were produced by a motion of the ether not only were the equations of motion which he obtained wrong but his deductions from them were not even in accordance with his own axioms in another memoir of in seventeen o six that is nearly twenty years after the principia had been written he admitted that he had made some mistakes in his former paper but adhered to his previous conclusions and summed the matter up by saying it is certain that gravitation generates a new force at each instant to the centre but the centrifugal force also generates another away from the centre the centrifugal force may be considered in two aspects according as the movement is treated as along the tangent to the curve or as along the arc of the circle itself it seems clear from this paper that he did not really understand the manner in which newton had reduced the dynamics to an exact science it is hardly necessary to consider his work on dynamics in further detail much of it is vitiated by a constant confusion between momentum and kinetic energy when the force is passive he uses the first which he calls his vis mortua as the measure of force when the force is active he uses the latter the double of which he calls the vis viva the series quoted by leibniz comprise those of e to the x and log of one plus x sine of x versine of x and the arctangent of x all of these have been previously published and he rarely if ever added any demonstrations leibniz like newton recognized the importance of james gregory's remarks on the necessity of examining whether infinite series are convergent or divergent and proposed a test to distinguish the series whose terms are alternatively positive and negative in sixteen ninety three he explained the method of expansion by indeterminate coefficients though his applications were not free from error to sum the matter up briefly it seems to me that leibniz's work exhibits great skill in analysis but much of it is unfinished and when he leaves his symbols and attempts to interpret his results he frequently commits blunders no doubt the demands of politics philosophy and literature on his time may have prevented him from elaborating any scientific subject completely or writing any systematic exposition of his views though they are no excuse for the mistakes of principle which occur so frequently in his papers some of his memoirs contain suggestions of methods which have now become valuable means of analysis such as the use of determinants and of indeterminate coefficients but when a writer of manifold interests like leibniz throws out innumerable suggestions some of them are likely to turn out valuable and to enumerate these which he never worked out without reckoning the others which are wrong gives a false impression of the value of his work but in spite of this his title to fame rests on a sure basis for it was he who brought the differential calculus into general use and his name is inseparably connected with one of the chief instruments of analysis just as that of descartes another philosopher is with analytical geometry leibniz was only one amongst several continental writers whose papers in the acta eruditorum familiarized mathematicians with the use of differential calculus the most important of these were james and john bernoulli both of whom were farm friends and admirers of leibniz and to their devoted advocacy his reputation is largely due 
not only did they take a prominent part in nearly every mathematical question they discussed but nearly all the leading mathematicians on the continent for the first half of the eighteenth century came directly or indirectly under the influence of one or both of them the bernoullis were a family of dutch origin who were driven from holland by the spanish persecutions and finally settled at bale in switzerland the first member of the family who attained any marked distinction in mathematics was james james bernoulli jacob or james bernoulli was born at bale in december twenty seventh sixteen fifty four in sixteen eighty seven he was appointed to a chair of mathematics in the university there and occupied it until his death on august sixteenth seventeen o five he was one of the earliest to realize how powerful as an instrument of analysis was the infinitesimal calculus and he applied it to several problems but he did not himself invent any new processes his great influence was uniformly and successfully exerted in favor of the use of differential calculus and his lessons on it which were written in the form of two essays in sixteen ninety one and are published in volume two of his works shew how completely he had even then grasped the principles of the new analysis these lectures which contain the earliest use of the term integral were the first published attempt to construct an integral calculus for leibniz had treated each problem by itself and had not laid down any general rules on the subject the most important discoveries of james bernoulli were his solution of the problem to find an isochronous curve his proof that the construction for the catenary which had been given by leibniz was correct and his extension of this to strings of variable density under a central force his determination of the form had taken by an elastic rod fixed at one end and acted on by a given force in the other the elastica also of a flexible rectangular sheet with two sides fixed horizontally and filled with a heavy liquid the lintieria and lastly of a sail filled with wind the valeria in sixteen ninety six he offered a reward for the general solution of isoparametrical figures i e the determination of a figure of a given species which should include a maximum area its perimeter being given his own solution published in seventeen o one is correct as far as it goes in sixteen ninety eight he published an essay on the differential calculus and his applications to geometry he here investigated the chief properties of the equiangular spiral and especially noticed the manner in which the various curves deduced from it reproduced the original curve struck by this fact he begged that in imitation of archimedes an equiangular spiral should be engraved on his tombstone with the inscription iadem numero mutata resurgo he also brought out in sixteen ninety five an edition of descartes geometrie in his ars conjectandi published in seventeen thirteen he established the fundamental principles of the calculus of probabilities in the course of the work he defined the numbers known by his name and explained their use and he also gave some theorems on finite differences his higher lectures were mostly on the theory of series these were published by nicholas bernoulli in seventeen thirteen john bernoulli Johann Bernoulli, the brother of James Bernoulli, was born at Bale on August seventh, sixteen sixty seven, and died there on january first, seventeen forty eight. 
he occupied the chair of mathematics at Groningen from 1695 to 1705, and at Bale, where he succeeded his brother from 1705 to 1748. To Hall, who did not acknowledge his merits in a manner commensurate with his own view of their importance, he behaved most unjustly. As an illustration of his character, it may be mentioned that he attempted to substitute for an incorrect solution of his own on isoparametrical curves another stolen from his brother James, while he expelled his son Daniel from his house for obtaining a prize from the French Academy which he had expected to receive himself. After the deaths of Leibniz and L'Hôpital, he claimed the merit of some of their discoveries. These claims are now known to be false. He was, however, the most successful teacher of his age, and had the faculty of inspiring his pupils with almost as passionate a zeal for mathematics as he felt for himself. The general adoption on the continent of the differential rather than the fluxional notation was largely due to his influence. Leaving out of account his innumerable controversies, the chief discoveries of John Bernoulli were the exponential calculus, the treatment of trigonometry as a branch of analysis, the conditions for a geodesic, the determination of orthogonal trajectories, the solution of the brachistochrone, and the statement that a ray of light traversed such a path that sigma mu ds was a minimum, and the enunciation of the principle of virtual work. I believe that he was the first to denote the accelerating effect of gravity by an algebraical sign g, and he thus arrived at the formula v squared equals 2gh. The same result would have been previously expressed by the proportion v1 squared is to v2 squared as h1 is to h2. The notation phi x to indicate a function of x was introduced by him in 1718 and displaced the notation chi or xi proposed by him in 1698, but the general adoption of symbols like little f, big f, phi and psi to represent functions seemed to be mainly due to Euler and Lagrange. Several members of the same family, but of a younger generation, enriched mathematics by their teachings and writings. The most important of these were the three sons of John, namely Nicholas, Daniel, and John the Younger, and the two sons of John the Younger, who bore the names of John and James. To make the account complete, I add here their respective dates. Nicholas Bernoulli, the eldest of the three sons of John, was born on January 27, 1695, and was drowned at St. Petersburg, where he was professor, on July 26, 1726. Daniel Bernoulli, the second son of John, was born on February ninth, seventeen hundred, and died on March seventeenth, seventeen eighty-two. He was professor first at Saint Petersburg and afterwards at Bale, and shares with Euler the unique distinction of having gained the prize proposed annually by the French Academy no less than ten times. I refer to him again a few pages later. John Bernoulli the younger, a brother of Nicholas and Daniel, was born on May eighteenth, seventeen ten, and died in seventeen ninety. He was also a professor at Bale. He left two sons, John and James. Of these, the former, who was born on December fourth, seventeen forty four, and died on July tenth, eighteen o seven, was astronomer royal and director of mathematical studies at Berlin while the latter, who was born on October 17, 1759, and died in July 1789, was successively professor at Bale, Verona, and St. Petersburg. End of section 27. Recording by Paul King. Oakville, Ontario. P.
pjk.scripts.mit.edu forward slash pkj.